Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Last week, President Donald Trump unveiled his budget priorities, and one of the more startling proposals was a dramatic restructuring of how poor people receive food assistance. Trump's plan suggests people who get food stamps should receive half as much money to spend on food and instead be given an occasional box full of shelf-stable foods, cereals, canned vegetables, and fruits. That suggestion would dramatically affect the work of my next guest, Senator Debbie Stabenow, who helped craft the current farm bill that encompasses the food stamp program. Stabenow is now working on the next farm bill as the ranking Democratic member of the Senate Committee on Agriculture. And she says Trump's proposals, if taken seriously, would make it impossible to complete that work this year. Senator Debbie Stabenow, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, good morning, Stephen. It's always great to be with you. Yes, it's great to hear your voice. Uh, I, this this proposal, uh, I, I, I was one of the people who was really shocked uh, to, to, to see the president propose this. I'm not sure what the angle is here or what he thinks the benefit is, but I'm, I'm sure this is something that you've heard or seen before and maybe have a better understanding of what's at play here. What is What is this about? Well, Stephen, first I have to say is this this proposal cannot be taken seriously. It's absurd on its face. Um, not only what this would mean to families, and by the way, 80% of the people that are on the SNAP program, what we now call SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, are seniors, children and their parents, mm-hmm. and uh, people with disabilities. And so what they're suggesting is that they would get half the, the uh, food support they get now, which, by the way, is, you know, a very minimal amount of, of help. And then the other half would somehow be delivered in food boxes. And so instead of going to the, the grocery store, um, and by the way, grocers oppose this, Everybody I know opposes this. Um, uh, you you would be adding so much administrative cost. Let's assume this was serious. Right. You'd have to figure out how to get 35 million people uh, food boxes every month or every week, or I don't know when they would do that. I mean, the administrative costs on that would be incredible. Sure. And it, what we have today is one of the more efficient programs that has uh, the lowest, lowest error rate in all of the programs uh, that are provided through the Department of Agriculture and maybe uh, across the federal government. I can't say that absolutely for sure, but it's very, very low, 2%, 3% um, error rate, and we're always looking to make things more efficient. But this really uh, is an absurd proposal on its face as you would how you would even try to do something like that you know is the is the conceit here the idea of trying to prevent people who receive this assistance from spending the money in a way that uh, the president thinks is is inappropriate and is there any evidence that they that they ever do that well there's we always hear stories but the reality is you can't buy you know things like uh uh, uh, alcohol right. and, and cigarettes and, you know, other kinds of things uh, uh, that are not um, basic food. And um, I, I think, the, the, the let me tell you, the, the good news right now, which is why even making, you know, the politics of just 
um, food assistance is always what this is all about, mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. create wedge issues between people. But the good news is, is that we are actually spending less on food assistance now in this country because the economy is better and more people are working. And so when you look at this five-year bill we write called the Farm Bill, which is agricultural, rural development, food right. policy, we're actually spending more on the farm safety net right now because prices have dropped. There are a lot of extra challenge right, challenges right now for our farmers. So we're spending more on the farm safety net and the family safety net, as I call it, is actually spending less dollars. And right. based on some streamlining and reforms we did in the last bill, uh, the budget office says that over $80 billion is uh, going to be saved on the food assistance, the, you know, the family safety net, for all the right reasons. And that, you know, people don't need temporary help right now. Uh, the economy is getting better and, and people who are able to work are, are working and so they're getting less help. That's how it's supposed to work. During difficult times, there's more help. When, as times get better, there's less help. And uh, it's actually working. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Senator Debbie Stabenow here of the state of Michigan. We are talking about the president's uh, proposal to change the way that food assistance works in this country. We're going to talk a little bit about Great Lakes funding, another thing that the president wants to change. Uh, we'll also talk about gun control and mass shootings in schools. Uh, Senator, that Great Lakes uh, proposal that the president made a long time ago <laughs> got got squelched by right. a bipartisan coalition of the representatives uh, who who uh, represent states around the Great Lakes. Uh, but he, he wants to revive it. He says, let's go back at this. Uh, I, I, again, there's sort of an odd pattern to his behavior here. Congress already said no, uh, but now he's trying again to to zero out uh, that that support. Right. I mean, here he goes again. You know, we last year it was eliminate completely right. the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, which I authored back in 2010, mm-hmm. has been working very very well to help us manage a, a lot of different issues that relate to water quality and the efforts we're using right now to stop Asian carp from getting into the Great Lakes. This time around, he proposed to cut 90% of it. And so uh, I was uh, the budget director uh, was before the budget committee, which I'm on a few days ago. And I asked him specifically why they were doing this, because Um, You know, we went to work. I put together a bipartisan coalition in the Senate. We have one in the House. People in Michigan spoke up and emailed and signed petitions and so on. And we stopped them. We put the full funding for this important initiative into the budget. Mm -hmm. And he said, basically, they just don't think the federal government should be doing this, should be focused on protecting the Great Lakes. And so, um, you know, I was stunned. And I said, do you realize this is not just a national issue, but international? Canada cares about this. Right. You know, there, there are eight states and uh, that, that focus an effort. There's state funding. There's local funding. You know, this is a broad effort at every level of government, plus private efforts going on, uh, all to protect what is 20% of the world's fresh water and all that comes with it the economy and our way of life and recreation and 40 million people getting their drinking water right, from the Great right. Lakes. 
so, you know, I, I made the case again, and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and said that, you know, they don't think the federal government should be involved in protecting the Great Lakes. So, so, so if not I the federal, them, okay. if well, not the federal government, who does he believe should should do that, or does he just believe it doesn't need to be done? Well, he was saying he thought it was a local issue or a regional issue, and so that's why I went through everything about Canada, and right. every you know, <laughs> and uh, I mean it, it's absurd again on its face, and um, uh, so we'll go back at it. And, you know, I'll, I'll have to go back to work, but we'll put together the same coalition and push back again. And hopefully, if, if everybody's willing to engage again, we'll be able to get the same result and protect the Great Lakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quickly, before I know you have to, uh, to run, I want to talk about gun control and mass shootings in schools. Of course, uh, we've seen yet another instance of the ease with which someone can can get a gun and do something horrible with it and even do that in a school. I know what your stance is on, on gun control, but I, but I want to ask you about whether there's an opportunity or if there will ever be an opportunity to advance this conversation to the space of actual policymaking. Can we get to a place where we change something that makes this harder to do? You know, Stephen, we have to. I mean, I don't know how many times uh, we all have to write the words, you know, my thoughts and prayers. I, I can barely do it anymore, not because I don't feel it, but because it feels so hollow. It's so insufficient. Not yeah. to have action at every level of government. There are common sense things we can do. You know, I grew up in a small town in northern Michigan with with uh, legal, safe gun ownership and in a family of hunters. And my brothers, my, my son, everybody looks at me and goes, what are you guys doing here? This is not a, you know, this is about common sense efforts to make sure there are background checks, to make sure you can't buy this inexpensive thing called a bump stock and put it on a, a hunting rifle and turn it into uh, an automatic weapon and go shoot children in a school. And, and there's simple things that we could start with like that. Uh, and we all know there's there's broader issues that we need to address uh, together uh, to support young people and families and certainly mental health and addiction services and other things. Although I, I do want to stress that the majority of people uh, who uh, need uh, mental health help are not dangerous. And so we have to be very careful about this as well as we talk about this. Right. But there, there's a lot of things that we can do. And we have a responsibility to our kids to do that. And we're at the moment, being stopped only because of the politics of a very big, wealthy, special interest group. Uh, and and uh, we've got to stand up on the other side. People have got to say, in the end, I'm going to vote based on what you're doing in a common sense way to keep our children and communities safe yeah. and make that a driving motivation. Yeah. Okay, Senator Debbie Stabenow, as always, thanks for being here with us on Detroit Today. My pleasure. Take care. Coming up, uh, we'll talk about how FEMA approaches disaster response to mass shootings. And don't forget, if you miss any of today's conversation, you can always download the Detroit Today podcast on iTunes. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back on Detroit Today.